Welcome to The Highway to Well with Derek Bell. Today we're talking with Alex Rolfs, owner and coach at CrossFit Stevens Point and Baseline Performance Mobile Coaching Programs. In this episode, we'll talk a lot about the pathway to living a better life through valuing connectedness, failure, and sweat. Thank you again for listening. Let's get on the highway to well. Welcome to the Highway to Well. We're here talking with Alex Rolfs. He is now the new owner of CrossFit Stevens Point as of 2020. He's been a valued coach and um, has been the inspiration in many people's lives um, in all levels of performance and training. What I'm wanting him to start today to tell me about his story and about how he got from the young man striving and thriving through his life to becoming the owner of a, of a of an of a special kind of place a place where people really discover what they're capable of and and how important that is to them but alex welcome to the highway to well how did you get here yeah that's <laughs> funny that um i can feel butterflies going through my chest when you think of it like that and um, having the lifestyle that I have now and what I'm doing now. Um, it's funny how you can kind of try to retrace your steps and think, man, like what led to the direction that I went in, the, the coaching route, the fitness lifestyle, working um, individually and in group settings like that. I don't think I ever pictured myself being in front of people and directly influencing people. Um, and I would say, in fact, like when I was younger high school middle school as a kid like I, I i don't know if those were my strengths like having <laughs> conversations with people pushing people out of their comfort zone um but yeah if we really if we really go back in time and like the the type of kid that i was um it probably wouldn't come as a surprise to you or anyone that i talked to as i was i was outside all the time i was heavily involved in uh sports uh, i grew up in uh, Wapaka, Wisconsin, um, and that was kind of like my my getaway for everything that I did, um, and I dreamed all the time about like what I wanted to do in the future and being this professional athlete, whatever it was. Um, <laughs> growing up when I was little, it was like playing basketball all the time. I didn't realize that until I got to be 13 or 14 years old that I probably should have realized that at an earlier time. But, um, being five foot seven or five foot eight isn't going to hand you off to the NBA too well. So <laughs> that's, that's true. But uh, once I started realizing those things, um, whether it be in sports or anything like that, that my life probably wasn't going to take off in basketball or in golf or in soccer like that, I still wanted to be able to find um, a way where I could spend my time um, dedicating myself to like a soul craft or what, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. I've always said that like, I'm an all or nothing guy. There's no like in between. Um, if I'm gonna try to coach or be the best athlete that I can or work with someone like that, um, we're not gonna, we're, we're gonna do everything in our power to have the best result, the highest performance that we can. Otherwise mm -hmm. we're wasting our time. And I know that 
that's not always the right thing or how you always want to start a conversation with someone. Um, but I made up my mind like at a young age that that's how I wanted to to, to do things for, for myself and for everyone. And sometimes that's led me down a bad road to the point where like I don't want to do something anymore or it's pushed me in the direction um, that I have like in my uh, career now. But um, it, it started with, with just playing sports, with being in front of coaches, seeing what I think Mm-hmm. is a good example of a of a coach and a coach that I've had to work to gain respect and things like that, finding out like what has worked for my other friends and athletes that has allowed them to perform as best as they can to, to be the best individual that they can. Um, I started seeing those things and and then, like I said, once I, I realized that I wasn't going to be playing basketball, soccer, or golf the rest of my life for money, I was like, well, Alex, like, we, need to, we need to figure out. You need to find another form of payment for right. my services. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I, didn't know, I didn't know what that was or what it was going to be for me. Um, but I knew that whatever it was, I, I always told myself, and it's not to me, like, I've, I've held jobs in high school and in college that gave me a paycheck and that gave me the immediate necessities that I wanted to and to be mm-hmm. able to go to school at, you know, Stevens Point um, and pursue a major in health promotion. Um, but I knew in my heart that whatever I decided to do, I wanted to be able to do it for the rest of my life and love doing it every single day and make sure that I am making an impact. I didn't want to be stuck doing something that I, I didn't genuinely care about or something that I could put half of my effort in. And mm-hmm. I kind of went back and forth down those roads every so often. Um, and I, and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, so that whatever it was, it, it led me into, um, into, into fitness, into the, the CrossFit realm, into group fitness. I started seeing those things surface and I knew I needed to take care of myself ultimately Mm -hmm. and that's where like my competitiveness in individual sports in team sport um i needed to find a place to resurface that and that Mm -hmm. was when i was like 19 years old after i wasn't you know playing college sports i didn't turn out to be the athlete that i wanted to be but i knew i could always control my effort and all those things um that took me that got me into the weight room to start taking care of myself in that way to Mm -hmm. try to develop strength and um, improve myself in, in a different way because I couldn't do that in the same way that I wanted to. Uh, so I started learning more. I started finding out what worked for me, um, what I saw others doing at the time. I stumbled upon group fitness and CrossFit and all that and got really into that. Um, but initially it was all about myself. And most of the things when I was younger, it was always <laughs> about myself. Um, I like to think like I was a good team player and I tried to elevate anyone around me. Um, you know, I always wanted to be the captain. I was the captain in a lot of different instances. Um, I have no problem taking someone and pulling them along with me and, and showing them the way I do things and how I want to influence people. Um, but for the first year or two of doing this um, fitness thing and doing it for me, I started to realize that there's it's bigger than just me. Um, and I love it when someone else can have the same experience as me um, or go through um, some of the same or similar things that I did as an athlete and kind of create a shorter roadmap to whatever it is that they want to get to. Um, 
So once I started seeing that, that made me realize that maybe I should try. And that's what it was at first. It was just trying, like putting, sticking myself and my time into others mm -hmm. and seeing what I can create for them, whether it was coaching, training, conversations, whatever. Um, and so not, I didn't just start doing that. Like I worked towards how do I do that? What type of communicator do I need to be? Mm -hmm. um, what do I need to work on? What am I bad at with people? Um, so all of my effort, instead of dribbling a basketball, was into how can I entertain, motivate, and steer people in a direction um, that was better off than where I was before. So mm -hmm. I did that, and that's where things started to get interesting, and I think I started to find out like what I was going to, to be doing for the rest of my life, whether it was like, you know, in the realm of fitness or um, helping someone advance them in their career or whatever it is, but it went big time to, to coaching and working with more than just um, concerning myself with just me. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, <laughs> that's kind of how we got to that's, where we that's, are. That's where you are. And then, and, and you, there, there's some threads there that are interesting. And I think all of us, so you and I share the experience of being a coach. And so, like you said, I think someone who knows me now would, and had probably met me at 14, 15, it's no shock that I'm, that I ended up as a coach, but I wouldn't have expected that at 14 and 15 other than I look back now and I was definitely the player that would break down the coach, whatever training session the coach had put together, I would break it down and either support or criticize some of the things we were doing. And so I, I, you know, I was always kind of building the perfect practice in my head. Like we should be doing this. We should be doing this. This is a problem in the game. We should be doing this. We shouldn't be doing this. We're, we're just dribbling down and shooting at a goal. There's no defenders in front of us. No one's passing. Like to build these complex things. And so you were talking about that, like how your brain works and then you throw in the competitiveness. And no doubt, like everyone who coaches is infused with a competitive nature. And, you know, for me, that was learning how to temper that so as a young coach i am i was a lot different as a young coach than i am today and a lot of that's just evolution <laughs> maturity mm -hmm. growing up but it's also tempering the expectation and understanding one of the critical things and and i and i feel like I, this is what i've heard from people who have worked with you as a coach and too is that the coaching to be good at it you, you have to have the eyes for the nuances and fundamentals and everything that you need to. You need to understand your craft. You need to know what it feels like to be in the throes of training, to be better at something. But we also need to be listeners and capable of being empathetic about, this, about where people are coming from so we learn how to make them tick and learn all of the ways that we can get them to discover something about themselves. I, and, I, and I've had this, this is a common thing I, I feel like I've talked to with like a lot of people that are in my coaching, soccer coaching world. We begin thinking that we're supposed to know everything and so it's about us. In a, not, not in a selfish way, but just when you're on that pedestal of being a coach, you feel like everyone's expecting you to have the answer. 
So 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when I started coaching, I felt like I needed to be more of that person. Yeah. And over time, I've realized I am completely not that person. My job is to facilitate an environment where my players learn how to solve the problems on their own. Because in the middle of a game, I am not on the field with them. So like for you getting people ready for comps or people coming to work out on a daily basis, you're leading them through and getting making sure obviously they're safe and what they're doing is correct. Mm -hmm. But really, it's their experience. And that was a that was an enlightening moment for me as a as a young coach when I finally when the light bulb went on I realized this is not mine to control. This is mine to grow. No, that's awesome. Like a light bulb is going off in my head with a lot of those, those different things. And I think I was, you know, am and was in the same boat as you, especially like starting out, it was like I had to, to prove my, my base of knowledge and always have something to say um, regarding like the X's and O's and how we train and what we're going to do in a group setting and in an individual setting. And you know, you need those things. You need to be able to teach someone and how how to execute a movement or see a game plan through and things like that. But what I've found to be and it just covers like all the things that you're saying, the most successful form of coaching as just making someone comfortable with me and mm -hmm. looking them in the eyes and them knowing full well that they can trust what we're about to do. Um, if we can have that first, like that kind of relationship with the person. Um, that's what's going to get you or them moving in the right direction before anything else. Um, then you can start to control like the X's and O's and what you're going to do. Um, but if, if I could go back and start to do anything right away or develop skills first, it would be the, like the people mechanism, like mm -hmm. learning how to um, talk to these people, get them on the same side as you ask them questions more. I used to never, I, I wouldn't ask a whole lot of questions when I started coaching. I just felt like I had to, just direct direct myself. traffic yeah. yeah and in some instances you could see some success of it but when you looked at an individual's eyes or anything going on at the time it's like that like you can tell when someone's not bought in or not committed to what you're doing and it's a sad thing because you really want them to and then you start doing dumb things like blaming them or mm -hmm. what you're limited to um so like i i'm in an earlier stage in that that i think the new but i started like figuring that out and i was like like I'm like asking these people questions about like their day or how they're feeling when they're doing something or what they thought of that practice that has helped me build a way better game plan for what I'm actually going to do like out on the floor or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. And it's for me, it was more enjoyable to coach like that and communicate like that instead of just trying to answer everything. And uh, like I said, project myself. And if I, if I had to give any information to someone wanting to go down that kind of route that's what it would start with and to me that kind of makes sense you just don't think of that right away because you want to be the biggest baddest and best coach <laughs> right away well i mean it's fair if we start getting into real the psychology of coaches all of us there is an ego part of it that we try to manage and that ego part is what makes us all excellent and it's also what makes bad coaches awful too and and you see it in every sport and any environment you see that someone is not controlling that and that's usually starts this um, landscape or, or this sorry this avalanche of mm -hmm. things that start to become poor about their environment about the people and about the way they're in lack of respect for 
the program, like you can just start making a checklist of all the awful things that happen when a coach's ego isn't in check. But, you know, for any coach and, and call, I've had a couple of coaches try to tell me that they're not egotistical and I'm like, no, then you shouldn't really coach. I mean, you have to have some ego driven desire right. to make something better in order to do it. Mm-hmm. So let's get, let's stop talking about that. Let's just get into how do we control that as coaches? And that's one of those things I, I feel like, yeah, as a young coach, like, you're not in control. You, you think that you have to be a certain way, and 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 coaching is such a skilled craft. You have it takes time, it takes time and experience, and and it takes a lot of of relearning things too. Like I, you know, and I've told the story many times with one of the teams that I coached a few years ago. That I, out of out of all the years I've coached, I feel like this was like my watershed moment as a coach. I had a excellent team, massively talented. Being high school boys, they always weren't the most mature, sophisticated, and temperamental. And usually if we didn't succeed, it was because there were we were emotionally a little higher than we needed to be. There was not a lot of balance. But, so, and at the end of the season, we had nearly won conference. We had nearly had a good playoff run. And I kept, it, it just racked, I kept racking my brain about how, how did I, how do we get here? How can we end a season? And it was by all means an incredibly successful season, had conference player of the year and had guys that a couple players on that team went on to play college soccer at a high level. Um, and there's, they're coaching today still. Like they, there's a, that whole group was a wonderful group of people, but we all, I think, shared this let down. And my role in that, I, I, that was that was a cue that I needed to step away. I I had a, there were a couple moments throughout the season where my control of the situation, as I reflected, was part was the like I was a catalyst for this tightness, and so I did what what I normally do like in these situations is retreat and went into the forest. I'm like yeah. okay. I am not the hotshot coach that I think I am. I I need I need to go a different path because I I don't ever want to feel this bad about something again. And so I I went and and started going through these going through all my coaching train training at a level with all the national through this national program and getting all the way through like what my premier diploma which is kind of like your phd in soccer coaching and surrounded by people who are professionals and division one coaches college coaches and some of the biggest names in the coaching field and i'm having to coach in front of them and be examined and we having we're having these conversations yeah. but but i remember i remember there was really the first time that i heard and these were people that were had been around forever coaching talking about letting the players own it like as a coach, step away from your control and let players own it and fi- find that balance. So you're you're the leader of that process, but you're allowing some more things to happen. And, and after that process, like one of the mechanisms for me that when I came back was I just deconstructed the whole role of captains. Like just said, I just threw it out. I had a group of seniors coming back that were not the most mature and leader types in some ways. I had some that were really good in some areas and 
just I just assessed it, and I had a ninth grader who was going to be probably like likely like the most talented player on the team, and at the center of the field, I, I needed his brain. Mm-hmm. I needed him to play at his best. So in order for me to make sure he wasn't deferring to other people, it's like we're all just review that leadership model and start over and make it flat. And then that ended up being one of those cornerstones now as part of all the programs I coach is like our leadership structure is not hierarchical. It's definitely a flat structure. Now there's there's by experience and by growth, you have people that cultivate themselves into leaders and you've cultivated them as well. And but you don't have this this pecking order mm-hmm. that people just absolve themselves of responsibility and then move up the chain. Right. But but those were that that's that growth moment for us as coaches. Like you need to and it's hard, it's so hard because we're ego driven and we want to be as competitive too. Mm-hmm. But our competitive nature isn't what everyone else's competitive nature is. And we get so mad when that's not the case, but that's not the point. The point is that we control that better so that we can be better listeners. And like you said, like these things involve asking questions and learning about the people that we're working with, because in there, in in there, and and, and I want to talk about this is what, how do you get people to be their best? Like, what is it that you can do as a coach to drive them to success? And that's what that's what coaching ultimately is. So, you know, for you, you're working with people. So now you're the the new owner for CrossFit Stevens Point. You've been a coach there for a while, and like you said, you've been doing CrossFit for a while, and and you've seen the top end athletes to the new people coming in. What what is it, or how do you build a model for success in that? Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough question because you know that like there's so many different things that you have to think that contribute to that or control that. Um, and like we were talking about before, like if we we're trying to create peak performance for for anyone, like someone who's just trying to like in my field, it's exercise and it's group fitness for the most part, mm-hmm. or personal training. Um, that's how I influence most of the people, and then the physical activity the training whether it's for like sport or life or whatever like that can um indirectly influence their lifestyle and how they how they feel about what they're doing and then their career and then maybe when they go home like that's that's when you look at that that's like a more of a holistic package to um wellness but before i i might have told you it's like what we do inside the doors and the type of program that we have and um, what we tell these people to do on a fitness related journey like every single day um, but now with the experience that I've had from all sorts of different varying levels with athletes like I would come back to the training environment and what their environment looks like whether it's inside the walls that I have control over them um, or their environment like at home and things like that um, and that that comes down to like the rules and the boundaries that we've set like in our gym as a business or as a coach and how we're going to go about the 60 minutes, um, how we're going to be talked to, like how we're going to have athletes listen and how we're going to follow through on a day-to-day basis, a weekly basis, a process to be more process oriented, three months, six months, mm-hmm. a year, and know that we can't try to control everything. Um, we can try to control everything that we can each mm-hmm. day, but we're not trying to get too far ahead of ourselves or anything like that. Um, 
And then I guess the other thought process should be like, what are we doing to control like what our training environment looks like um, for people? And that's, there's a lot of things that I think that do come into play that can take away from someone's uh, performance, whether it's like different egos with different individuals. And like mm-hmm. when we're when we're coaching and we're teaching people on a one-on-one basis, like we have like a no-fly zone with some of that, some of that stuff. And like, um, if we think that someone's taken away from someone else's experience, that they're not following along with like our model and what we do from a program standpoint, you know, we we have conversations about those things and what like our expectation is at CrossFit Stevens Point to um, deliver whatever it is the best performance that we can time and time again. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the same for like every individual that walks through your doors. It's probably not. But usually when we have a grasp of what can happen in that 60 minutes, what like your training environment looks like, um, that that has been more successful for us than anything else. So I don't know if that kind of answers <laughs> your, your question. Well, it, it does because, yeah, I mean, you touched on a lot of things about the like the environment that someone's walking into, but one thing I wanted to ask, and, it, and I think it, it was starting to come up in this question, what is it do you think people are looking for when they come and join? Like, this is, this is the crux of yeah. the, the part that, and, and it's been a, it's a, awesome to see. I, everyone I talk to that hasn't done like CrossFit is a good example. And it doesn't have to be that. It could be other things. I have friends that get heavily involved in like Spartan racing. Yeah. Like that's their avenue. Or some people are doing spin and that's their avenue or, or bike riding in general and then spin in the when it's cold outside. You know, but but your avenue is CrossFit. How what is it cuz people are I get the feeling there's a common thread of what it is we're seeking and it's mm-hmm. not learning how to be a better Olympic weightlifter. Yeah. For the most part. <laughs> yeah, we always I mean anyone who walks through our doors that like doesn't know exactly what it is, they've only heard about it or they seen it on TV or they chatted with a friend um well, that's why we always start a conversation. Like we have a consultation and we see like who it is, what they're looking for, like what they've heard, what they're trying to do with themselves. So it's really, it's, it's different for everyone. And do they tell you the truth when they're writing yeah. those goals down? And you then know, like a month later, you're like, wait a second, it all, this is why you're here. Right. A lot of people don't know what they want. <laughs> exactly. And, and that, that's <laughs> like the hard part. And I think intuitively when you get people in there, it's like, most of the people that come in like from the community and the bulk of our clientele, like in that 30 to 40 year old age group is like, well, I stopped taking care of myself. I don't move anymore and I've gained 15 pounds and I have kids and I don't like this lifestyle. Yeah. I need to change it. So it's like a health initiative. I want to lose weight and I want to set a better example for my kids. And like, I think all those things sound good, but then we used to ask like, okay, like why, why do you really want to lose weight like what personally ties you to that and i guess before i should like preface that like by saying maybe they don't talk about their kids or what they want to do in the future Mm -hmm. if they say they want to lose weight or become healthy or they don't like the way that they're living right now then they'd surface something like well i have kids and i don't want him to see me looking like this or having Mm -hmm. um, a lifestyle like this or you know i used to do 5k runs or whatever it was or i used to have an endurance background 
I used to play sport and now I don't do any of those things anymore. And being a 38 year old, whoever it is that we're talking about, they don't think that they should have to let go of those things. Mm -hmm. And we can start to tie to those things a little bit more. Um, but then we, you know, we get people in here that we have college students um, that, that come into and they're not quite in that part of their lifestyle yet. Um, so some people come to us for a competitive outlet because they've realized that um, they don't have that outlet like they used to, whether it was yeah. a college athlete or someone that used to be physically active on routine. Um, some people look for us for like, hey, man, I just need structure. So that's a lot of different answers to that kind of question. But if I had to, anytime I start that conversation, and to your point, like we'll, we'll talk about it and we'll kind of have a grasp for what they really want to get out of this. Um, and a lot of times we find like right then and there or down the road that that's, that might not even be actually what they're looking for. And we're pretty, I'm pretty honest with mm -hmm. the people that I talk to. I'm like, and I know from a strength and conditioning aspect and CrossFit and personal training, like we can leverage all these things to try to create the the outcome for that individual like i believe in that wholeheartedly as a coach like like whether it's crossfit or intensity functional fitness strength training um we can find a way to help that person steer them towards their goals but ultimately like if it's not what they're interested in or they're getting these answers about what our program is what our environment looks like what we do in the gym like we're not we're not gonna lie to you we're gonna tell you like this mm -hmm. is what it is and um this is what it takes to get you to what you're talking about yeah. right now sort of thing yeah well it's there's a the there are a lot of answers there are a lot of things that i, I was thinking about you know one is there's there are is this concept called basking in reflected glory. So it's like the story of the high school quarterback who then 20 years later yeah. is like, you know, the the abusive father, weekend warrior, softball player, you know, in the bar league trying Sounds to relive those athletic yeah, those athletic memories, but I but that that's that isn't totally what we're talking about. Like you and I are both models of how to channel that reflected glory into a positive avenue as a coach because part of the reason why we both do what we do is because we remember what it felt like to be in that situation and be athletic but so you know so then to tie this back into like the you know and i won't say like an average person but the thing that crossfit so crossfit isn't the only one like we said like there's spartan races and all these different things that people are doing that require some physical activity. What I feel like they're doing, what public health has not done forever in terms of trying to get people to live a healthy lifestyle. And, you know, if you read Glassman and, you know, like he's been chirping about the value of, the, of this as an intervention for all different health issues, you know, and it's true, but I think it's bigger than that. And so for people, at varying different degrees, you know, and you talked a lot about like the 30 to 40 year old who comes in and hasn't worked out in a while. And so they wanna be a better model for that kid. Like that is an excellent, that is, there's your reason why. And then you have like, you said younger people wanna compete and continue to build up to that competitive level. Like that is also true. Then you have others that are just in some way that they're broken 
and they may not understand that yet, mm-hmm. but the CrossFit class environment, because you're in there for a 45 to 60 minute period, generally speaking, every day you're accomplishing something that you weren't quite sure you were going to do before. It's like every day I walk in and I look at the board and I see a bunch of numbers and things and I get lost in it because I'm thinking, I'm gonna, I wanna figure myself out. So this hour I have is more mental than physical. Like, sure, I wanna deadlift more today, that's great. But I wanna have an experience that takes me to a level that I feel like I'm I'm going somewhere. And, and that's, I think that when you talk about behavior change and brain chemistry is those endorphin kicks aren't coming from necessarily the physical lift or the movement, but it's the combination of the movements and the lift in one experience that takes us to a completely new place and we feel confident. And there are very few places where people can feel immediacy of result in a confident way. And you and I were talking about this before about sport, like that is what is so beautiful about sport is the immediacy of that result. And so more people come in and discover something about themselves along the way and may change and grow on that path because you've structured a 60 minute period in a smart way that makes sure that they focus solely on themselves. And that that's where I love this environment for me, like I, you know, like I told you, it was it was this life-changing experience that I didn't anticipate. But I had been doing a lot of distance running, and for my better part of my twenties and thirties, distance running picked up where soccer left off. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a competitive adult environment for me to compete in soccer, and I gravitated towards running with a few of my closest friends, and we started running. Then we started adding miles to that, so we started with five k, ten k, half marathon, full marathons. Yeah and then varying trail races of marathon length, running up and down mountains in Colorado to then doing ultra marathons. And, and so I'd been completed about four, this is my fourth or fifth ultra marathon. And then I got into, I, I decided I was gonna run a 50K again. I'd run it the previous year and it felt great. And, but I got into, and when I was training, I didn't train as much as I did before. I kept telling myself, I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I know the course. I know how this goes. And so I was a little arrogant about what I was trying to do. And I got in the race and I had some stomach cramping and it was just painful. And that's normal. Like this, when, if you're running 50 miles, 50 Ks, you, all of that's normal. You just move on. You continue, you live through all those painful moments, but this time it wasn't, that wasn't the case. I, there was something off about me. And I just, after sitting at a rest stop and debating whether or not I should get back out there, I'd been there for 30 minutes, rehydrating, eating, and just kind of regathering myself. One of my friends had come to crew and I just was like, I don't I don't think I want to do this anymore. And so, and then so I just tore my tag off, checked to disqualify myself from the race. We went and had dinner. I got home and enough time to see my family right as they were going to sleep. So it was nice for all that. But on the drive home, I started getting really mad at myself. And I started getting really worried about, like, what do I do if I don't have Ronnie? Like, what? And I'd been working out on my own too. Like, I'd done strength training. I'd done, like, all different types of what ends up being the CrossFit model and varying degrees in my strength training for college, 
sports and all that. And I had a couple friends that had done CrossFit and were telling me about the benefits of it. And I'm like, okay, I get the science of it. I understand interval training. I understand Olympic weightlifting. This is great. So, but so as I'm driving home, I kept thinking, I, I'm worried about whether or not I have that space anymore in my life where, like I said, it's a mental, the physical part of it is obviously important, but it was always the mental part for me. Running was a place to process. It was a place to think. It was a place to push myself and experience the physical um, release of something, of stress, tension, and just live my life. And if I don't have that anymore, I'm a pretty, I'm a lost soul. It was a pretty dark place. I'm. Mm-hmm. Just like, this is really depressing. Like, I'm not sure what do I do? And so um, James had opened Fitternal just recently. And like, I don't know, I'll go check it out. I went in and, and met James. He's an ex-hockey player, missing a tooth, kind of crazy. I'm like, okay, I kind of need a very crazy person in my life that's going to challenge me. And after like day three of doing rope climbs and stuff, and I'm like, I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've ever climbed a rope like this before, but I'll do it and get up and do it. And then, and immediately fell in love with that as an avenue. And so even for, to get back to your, what you were talking about, I was like, even for people who are athletic, who you, who are seemingly someone who seems, you know, you have it figured out, like we really don't have it figured out. And so CrossFit for me filled that void and now after going for four years like i've fallen back in love with running and i've discovered i'm a different runner Mm -hmm. than i am now and it feels good and so i've challenged myself i signed up for a 50 miler to do in may with one of my friends who's his ambitions are to get 100 milers under his belt so i'll be chasing him around the trails (laughs) usually but but it's but i feel so different in my confidence yeah like i'm I'm eight years older than the last time I tried this. Like, that's not the path that people usually go. But here I am thinking, I feel really good and happy. I'm excited about this race more than I feel like I've been excited about a race ever. That's awesome. And it comes from that experience. So so that part about your environment is so critical because you're building that avenue for someone to just kind of, I. It's almost like that solitude of training, you know, and if you, I don't know if, I've, I grew up on watching Rocky Four, Vision Quest, like I don't, I love, for me practicing was, it became like the thing, like I love training, because you go like kind of hide in the forest and you come out metamorphosized into yeah. a beast ready to take on the world. What's the result gonna be sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, and I think that's one of the things that like attracted to me to to all of this, like whether it's CrossFit, coaching, things like that. It was like you're you're gonna be so gifted, like only so gifted, and it's only gonna help you out so much. And you see that amount of talent and whatever gift that it is that you have, you see it take people somewhere and they can choose to really use it um, mm-hmm. and create the life that they want, have it move them forward, or you see people maybe not have the opportunity to use it or they don't end up fulfilling and seeing through whatever it is, if it's in fitness and sport, career. Um, and, and, and in my eyes and for what I wanted, um, career-wise, sport-wise, whatever, um, I, I didn't have the talent level that I, I wish that I had. So 
the way that I took care of it, the way that what it sounds like you took care of it was control every other freaking variable that <laughs> you have to create the best outcome that you could. And even mm-hmm. in those I- instances for what I was doing at the time with sport, um, even doing that, and there's always something more that you can do and something you can go back and change in that. Um, but I felt like that's where I excelled was what I was doing outside of practice, um, the way that I was going about my day, my thought process, all that. At the time, I thought that I was doing that better than anyone else, and it still wasn't lending me really where I truly wanted to be. Um, and then when I found CrossFit in the way that I did, the group environment, coaching, and that type of training, this was the first time that I'd really seen something that directly rewarded that kind of yeah. uh, training and effort and thought process. Talent alone is is great for that, for coaching and for functional fitness and if you wanna be a, a CrossFit athlete or move your life forward, but it, it wasn't in the same way that it could do for you in, in sport. And I could see direct results um, from other people that I worked with that mm-hmm. would that would make leaps and bounds compared to someone who might have had uh, whatever, twice the talent that yeah. they had. And I thought that was cool, and I would say that that's probably one of the biggest things that like pulled me in, so to speak, in a way that like you got pulled into it because you needed some type of change. Uh, and I think that like continues to pull me in because then I watched someone else do that, um, put in that kind of effort where they were doing all those things before in their previous life or um, whatever goals that they had before. They were doing all those things and they still weren't getting what they what they thought they wanted out of it. And then mm-hmm. it start, it's finally starting to happen sort of thing. Yeah. Well, it's just so hard for an individual. And like, this is a problem when you, you know, I discovered, because for years I would work out on my own and do my own strength training. I had an idea from all of my experience about how to do it, but I never really understood the value of some simple things like time under tension and putting myself on a clock to try to get as many reps in as possible because of the value of that that extension of your strength and endurance, the value of that to the things that I wanted to do the most, like be a better trail runner, like whatever it was, I felt like I was trying to do those things, but you know, the, but they, I wasn't maximizing those results. And that is such the, the immediacy of my, um, you know, results in those class settings is one thing, but like you touch upon, I think the reason why people love it and the reason why people stick to it is that even if they come in with a goal that is, I want to lose a few pounds, that goal changes and modifies and people start making connections to others. And then it becomes their, just their natural process of how they do things by celebrating the achievements of other people and having that feeling of, while I'm doing this for myself, I'm part of this. Mm -hmm. I have this collective around me that we're all pushing together. We're all pushing the same rock together to get somewhere. And each of us are pushing a different spot on the rock. And that's that that doesn't bother any of us because we're all still pushing the same rock. And that ties into this uh, human experience. And, and this is something I talk about, especially in our wellness field is tying, what is it really about wellness that, that matters to people and what's going to make them live a healthier life? And for so many years, we talked about it in terms of 
of like a pie chart graph on these areas of your life. And no one, that, that doesn't help anyone. It becomes a math equation rather than an experience. And so the, the opportunity for people to be connected is by far one of the most important human experience to make sure that mm-hmm. they avoid or, or they they increase the likelihood that they're going to have a healthy life, you know, and that that we're especially on the work site in in the field of organizational health and well being, like we continue to see studies show that isolation and negative attitudes about work are two of the things that are like at putting people most at risk for stress, which is actually putting people at risk for further health conditions. So depending upon the research and how far they're extending it, like organizational life and stress is killing us in a way, you know? And so you have this environment that you create on a day-to-day basis that pulls us out of this quagmire of this existence into doing something that's beautiful, sweaty, and important all at the same time. And that's that's the challenging part. And the other part of it too that I love, and I don't want to talk to a little bit about this too is, and on, so I just, I did a podcast recently too with one of my good friends, George Pfeiffer, who wrote a book about peak high play, about reaching peak performance. And one of his best stories was talking about an old coach he had that, that talked a lot about glutinal bump method. Like the best way to learn is to fall on your butt and continue to fall on your butt. And that that's something that I've stuck to as a coach too, is to create environments where like there's where failure isn't feared, but failure is almost like desired. Like mm-hmm. I want to fail first so I can do it right. And so like I joke around, I joke about trying someday to put together instead of like a performance camp to put together a failure camp yeah. and have people oh come God. and just do something that is absolutely impossible on day one. But by day five, they're doing it mm-hmm. and just build up build up through a week of failure camp <laughs> to become something great. Yeah, don't tell your players. No, that's, no, that's, that's, that's not, that's what I call it. <laughs> that's I what that. I call their opening awesome. week. <laughs> yeah, so the, the whole point of failure is to see it as, as an opportunity and rather than something we fear. I think that's the thing that, that people mm-hmm. learn about when they come to the gym. This, there's, that is a comfortable environment with a coach that's listening to them and cares people around them that in varying degrees have been through this before and help pull them through it. But it, you fail a lot. Like you don't reach your, you don't actually reach your goal often in that environment. For sure. But you start getting there. Mm-hmm. And I think the being on the pathway is usually better than getting there. Yeah. Cause then it feels like you're moving places. Yeah, I, I love that. And I have a lot of conversations with these people. Like the best part about what we do in this group training environment is like i'm not going to tell you that like you're going to have a good day in here every day and you're going to get exactly what you want we could i could do that as a coach and as a personal trainer um when i'm working with someone i could create wins all the time i could give you something that is very achievable kind of challenging um that that makes you feel like you're getting an a plus every day and that like what you're paying for and what you sign up for is getting you to your result um i've never been attracted to something like that and anytime we've bring someone through it's I, I wouldn't put it in a way and and like I totally understand the value like of this and what you're talking about and that how that could make a super resilient individual like I'm not going to tell them that like I'm here to to break it down <laughs> sort of thing but um 
well, I, I'm very forward with them. I was like, the best part of what we do and what keeps people coming back, if like you're the type of person and, and if that's fitting for you, is that there's going to be days where you are not reaching your absolute potential. Like your win is going to be like the fact that you showed up and, and you finished your 60-minute session with us. Um, there's going to be days where you're watching other people doing things and you feel like you're falling behind and maybe it's a full week, um, sometimes longer, where you're not able to do all the things that you thought you would and your progress is being stunted or you actually have like a moment of failure with a mm-hmm. particular lift or whatever it is um and like that champion feeling when we do when we're faced with these things is when we get the opportunity that failure has created some type of headspace for you to um change your thought process change what you do every time that you come into the gym change how you move um if failure can do that for you in a positive, like impactful way, and then you're faced with that, a training session or um, a moment, a movement, something that you know that has set you back in the past, that has created failure, and you overcome that obstacle or you make a the smallest change and a coach notices it or your friend notices it, that tiny win is what keeps people coming back all the time because mm-hmm. they don't really... It's hard to create that experience if you're always giving them what they can possibly do every time. And that's just like in my field and what I work with, but that that can be surfaced, I think, in just about any single way, like in a team sport or um, in your career. Um, Yeah, or any lifestyle change. I mean, that like you're hitting on the key thing is, so most people, you know, if if they're coming to you, you know, they're, there's an expectation of what's going to happen, but what's actually happening is is small victories along the way, and that's like we talk about that in terms of either tiny habits or one percent better or small changes. And that is the core essential ingredient to making successful lifestyle change, and the key thing that your environment has. So failure. So there's kind of like two things, two ways to look at failure, and failure is the opportunity. Also, failure is is for a lot of people, when I do that, I'm, I'm not gonna try that again. And it's usually because they're in an environment that hasn't supported that in the first place. So they're by themselves trying to do something. Mm-hmm. They may not have the skills yet to do it. They may not understand it. And they may not even have figured out why they're doing it. And then they just stop doing it because the utility of it's no longer there or it's painful or it is, you feel lonely. You still feel lonely. It doesn't take away the loneliness. But put someone around people who have the have this the same have been in that same place, but are now sharing where what it feels like to move out of that space. That's that connected that social connectedness that insulates people from stopping. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where this this group environment has become such a, a great piece for a lot of people, in that it helps them drive to somewhere better just a little bit each day and and then there are going to be days where you're not at your peak you don't feel good you're rushed to get to the gym you don't have the energy you forgot to eat lunch but you still show up and do it and you weather through it and you probably have someone that was had the same day as you sitting next to you on an assault bike just grieving life as you're trying to churn through you know 20 calories on an assault bike you have 
you have someone to share that with. If you're by yourself and you're in an, you're not in that environment, you have no one to feel your pain, right. no one to talk to. And those are things that that we I don't that I don't think we talk enough about. It's we talk about a lot of times that pathway to well-being through fitness, it's the fitness part of it, but we forget to talk so much about the social role that that it plays and you've talked about it as a coach being a listener and creating an environment where people are celebrating success and also in making sure that the challenge is there but it isn't necessarily that you have to get there every day but just continue to move in that direction Mm -hmm. and then you'll get there that's the perpetual forward motion theory that as long as you're moving forward you're going you're going somewhere great yeah so as we're wrapping up here, Alex, now you're now you're the owner of how does it feel to be owner of a business, living the dream, getting people to do what they want to do? Yeah. Yeah. What are some parting thoughts here on our highway to well? Yeah, kind of a long awaited journey, not something that if you'd asked me when I was twenty one years old when <laughs> I started this whole thing, um, I don't know if I would have told you that, but we took to it. It's It's been good. Um, a new level of responsibility, but something that I, like I know, like in my heart at the end of the day, like I feel like I've made an impact. Um, I feel like that what I'm doing uh, matters for a lot of different people. Um, and I, I keep falling back on like the reasons that like I started doing what I did as a coach and as an athlete and trying to find a way to like share that with Mm -hmm. as many people um, as we we can. So um, we're definitely just getting started with something. I'm I'm excited about a lot of the things that I wanna do with our gym and what we wanna do collectively to try to impact more people, to bring um, more services beyond, you know, just CrossFit and group training. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely got some things in the the works, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely really excited, um, not just for what's to come, but like the the challenge of being a business owner too. I think <laughs> that that, um, I think from growing up as, as a kid, as someone dribbling the basketball in the driveway, being a middle school, high schooler, like trying to take myself to sport and then being lost in college, not knowing what the heck was going on, um, to finding fitness, strength training, group fitness, CrossFit, becoming a coach, learning that I could be a coach. Um, I, I do think that it's led to something that was supposed to be bigger than all those things. And to a degree, like I had always been selfish growing up and I'm like, I'm at a point now, 28 years old, like I'm, I'm ready and I've been working towards putting my time and all of my effort into other people so that they can, they can have experiences that I've had and even better experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just trying to do that uh, as best as we can, and this will be my new, for for me as as far as my selfish reasons, this is my like new challenge, my my new thing to go through the aches and pains and failures, mm-hmm. because I'm going to because there's a lot of things that I don't know how to do, but there's also a lot of things that um, I I feel that I'm really good at, if not the best at, um, and we're gonna see uh, what we can do with this thing. But excellent, yeah. Well, it's such an important part of our cultural fabric and community so many people depend on you Mm -hmm. for those very things that you talked about and want to be in an environment where they're heard and their dreams are are out there they're they're willing to achieve you know they're willing to provide them the opportunity to achieve them and, and share them i have one last question for you 
do you have any, are you taking applications in your baseline programs for over 40 scaled athlete soccer coaches? <laughs> we can, we're always open. We're <laughs> I'm not always sure what level of performance you expect there, but, uh, but like to be on the team. <laughs> I'll, I'll happily have that conversation with what sounds like it's you or any other 40 year old uh, <laughs> soccer. I know someone. Okay. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> thank you. Thank you again for coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah you bet. Thanks and for good luck with uh, things over at CrossFit Stevens Point. For sure. Thanks.